Welcome back to Mocha's Jams. Um, this month, uh, throughout the month, I will be doing some historical and poetic and uh, highlights on Women's History Month and prominent figures. Women's Month is all about equality between women and men and also a matter of human rights and condition for all social justice. It's a necessary balance of equality, growth, and peace. Uh, Women's History Month, just for those who don't know, um, actually began to be observed in the United States in 1987. The uh, United States Congress began to recognize many women and their accomplishments. Um, and the uh, in that same year, the National Women's History Project petitioned Congress to expand the event to the entire month of uh, March, and it was successful. But it really started around, I would say, 1978. They had Women's History Day, and um, the first place that occurred was Simona County, California. It was championed by Gerda Lerner. And then in 1982, uh, the National Celebration of Women's History Month happened with a Women's History Week. So, uh, that uh, is some information I really didn't know about. I think I was a child when all of this stuff happened. Like 1978, I was barely, you know, walking around, so I didn't know. But uh, we're going to get into some prominent women that I like to highlight for um this episode of Mocha's Jams. So sit back and relax. Welcome back to Mocha's Jams with your host, Mocha Sister. So let's start in the 1970s. A lot of uh, historical things happened before Women's History Month was even created. Um, back in 1970, a book was published. And I'm pretty sure it was pretty controversial. Kate Millett had a book called Sexual Politics. Sexual Politics, it was published. And I'm pretty sure during that time with the norms um, that occurred during that time, I don't think, you know, I know the way my mom and she had to be <laughs> back in those days. Men were not trying to feel all of that. No, there's no way. But... Um, this book was published in 1970 by uh, activist Kate Millett. It was based on her PhD dissertation. is regarded as a classic of feminism and radical feminist key text. 393 words. Like I said, it was published by Columbia University Press. And so you get time, you should look into that. Another powerful publication came out um, called Sisterhood is Powerful, an anthology of writings from the women's liberation movement. It gathered many prominent feminist essays into one book. In terms of uh, education, women's studies, the first women's studies department began at San Diego State University. It was followed by a women's study program at Cornell University. Um, now activism was heavily into, in the 1970s as well. A uh, few things that stand out was in February, members of 
the National Organization for Women, the NOW organization stood up in the U.S. Senate gallery to demand attention for Equal Rights Amendment. As you know, during the 1970s, a lot of women did not have equal rights. So um, this was probably an important um, moment to move forward. And then in March 18th, feminists staged a sit-in at a ladies' home journal office, which if you know anything about ladies' home journal, it's like a magazine for women. Um, they demanded, you know, changes in what they call the feminine mystique propaganda of women's magazines. You know, the, the writing for the women aspect or being a woman at that time was very centric to um, the old school uh, way of things. Women having their place, not not any focus on women being independent and women having equal equality. So later in the year in 1970, August 26, the Women's Strike for Equality featured demonstrations in cities across the nation. And it was also held on the 50th anniversary of women's suffrage. So in the year, in the 1971, which I probably was about three years old when this happened. Now I'm dating myself. I was a child, okay? While I was crawling in my diapers, the short-lived uh, uh, feminist art journal, Women and Art, began publication. Um, and this is cool because I didn't realize that, you know, they had art journals as far as the 19, early 1970s. Um, the organization now staged a national, um, demonstration against AT&T discrimination, employment and pay practices. As you know, I'm pretty sure women during that time did not get paid as much as men. We still got a long way to go there, but it's gotten a little bit better for pay now, according to them. But 1971, it's not, you know, that's like maybe 50-something years ago. Um, also, the same year, this organization um, recognized lesbian rights as a legitimate concern of feminism. Um, and then in, uh, in November 22nd of 1971, there was a big uh, court, Reed versus Reed, declared sex discrimination a violation of the 14th Amendment. Um, in my work, working with young people, especially girls, I used to get a lot of questions about, you know, um, employment rights and for women and for women who are pregnant. We don't even got into that yet, but I'm pretty sure back in those days, women that were pregnant probably couldn't work. They were, they were expected to stay at home, take care of the children, that type of thing. These days, you cannot even have an interview. Uh, and ask someone, hey, are you pregnant? That's a, that's a no-no. <laughs> anyway, this is 1970s. The year was 1972. Cindy Nimster and other feminist artists founded Feminist Art Journal, which lasted through 1977. And the magazine, Miss Magazine, published its first issue. Um, 
There was a lot of activism in 1972, January to February, feminist art students staged their provocative exhibit, Woman House, in an abandoned house in Los Angeles. March 22nd, the era passed the Senate and was sent to the states for ratification. And on the same day, a uh, case, Einstead versus Beard, overturned laws that restricted unmarried persons' access to contraception. You know, um, basically, in like I said, that this year, 1972, if you were unmarried, you were not supposed to be having any intimacy and you were supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to have any access to contraception. Um, and I'm pretty sure if women or, you know, single women during that period, single women got pregnant, they had to probably get an abortion if they got, for example, raped or some other unfortunate situation where they had to make the choice, they had to either have that child or find a different way to deal with that. So I guess that that was very important for it to get overturned, to stop restricting unmarried women and men, of course, to some kind of contraception. And November 14th and the 21st, the famous two-part abortion episode of Maud aired, and it got a lot of heat. It got a lot of protest letters, some people, uh, some of the TV stations uh, refused to air it. But, you know, in 1972, in New York, abortion was legal. And this is where the sitcom took place. So um, big ups to the writers for writing that. I know that had to be difficult in 1972 to write something. Because, again, in, in the 1970s, Women were expected to stay at home. Women were not expected to take to get no type of abortion or anything like that. You're supposed to just deal with it. So um, that was in 1972. 1973, um, the International Feminist Planning Conference was held in Massachusetts. And in January 22nd of 1973, a very important case that it's still, it might even be changed here in 2022. Roe v. Wade legalized first trimester abortion. It was struck down by many state restrictions on abortions in the United States. The same year, on May 14th, the Supreme Court ruled Frontario v. Richardson that denied military benefits for male spouses was uh, illegal sex discrimination. So very interesting case there. If you have time, you can look that up. November 8th, Mary Daly's book, Beyond God the Father, Toward a Philosophy of Women's Liberation, was published. Um, the following year, some very in important things happened uh, that kind of affected you know, women. And also uh, a wonderful poet by the name of Natasha Shang wrote and developed her choreo poem play for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. I have seen this play multiple times and um, I took a girl's mentoring program to go see it back in the day and they just really loved this choreo poem play. Um, it's been produced by so many people. 1975, um, 
uh, United Nations declared 1975 International Women's Year and organized the first World Conference on Women. It was held in Me Mexico City. A very uh, provocative book, an important book by Susan Brown Miller. It was called Against Our Will, Men, Women, and Rape was published. Uh, I know, <laughs> again, in the 1970s, uh, you know, I think that um, Susan Susan Brown Miller probably had to publish that on her own. I can't imagine it. I I can't imagine that it was probably you know a very um, very hard to get that you know get that out for traditional publishers at that time. Um, basically this book is about rape and she defined rape as a conscious process of intimidation by which all men keep all women in a state of fear. This book was widely credited with changing public outlooks and attitudes about rape. And, um, I think that, you know, honestly, during that time period, a lot of women probably, needed that book to be written. They needed a safe space. They needed somebody to speak their truth because if you got raped during those times, you know, with misogyny and, and the way people feel and the way that, you know, women and men were raised in all these gender roles, of course, you would have people saying, hey, the woman got raped, it might be her fault. So for her to write a book and try to create dialogue around such a you know very challenging subject i think that that's awesome the following year in 1976 an important event that i've heard about this organization but i didn't know it was created in march 1976 is called take back the night Take Back the Night is an international event and is a, a nonprofit organization with the mission of ending sexual relationship and domestic violence in all forms. Hundreds of events are held in all kinds of countries. They include marches, rallies, vigils, protests, and direct action against rape and other forms of domestic violence, sexual violence, relationships, relationship of violence, um, you know, and, and it's wonderful because I did not know about that organization at all. And, you know, it connects with the now establishing a task force on battered women. Um, as a child that was born in the 1960s, I saw the impact of domestic violence in my own family. And I can tell you a lot of women in my old neighborhood where I was raised, a lot of those women didn't know about these events. And if, even if they did, their husbands did not, would not uh, allow them to participate. They would have to move out of that house or get beat up every day. Uh, it's sad, but it's true. And in 1976, thank goodness, these organizations started to open eyes and dialogue and people's mindset on 
what sexual violence looks like, what domestic violence looks like, and what happens in relationships that is not healthy. Um, In 1976, uh, Planned Parenthood versus Danforth, the Supreme Court struck down a requirement for written spousal consent before a woman could obtain an abortion. It just goes back to women's bodies being their bodies and them having, and I know some people may not agree, the women should have the right to do with their body what they need to do. And I'm pretty sure there had to be some circumstances where some women, you know, didn't want to go there to their spouse to, um, ha- you know, to say, hey, I want to get an abortion because I know we can't afford it. I mean, it's, it's a touchy subject with a lot of people, but, you know, what if the woman got pregnant from a rape and she still go have expected to have that child or other reasons maybe she's in an unhealthy relationship she's being beat up every day she knows her child is about to be born into some hellish environment you know it is her body so I'm pretty sure a lot of people were especially a lot of religious organizations Christians were like nope you shouldn't do that you shouldn't have but you know I didn't even know that this existed to be honest (laughs) that they actually had like women had to get a written spousal consent before they could get an abortion again I might have been like eight years old when this happened very interesting facts here for women's history month I will continue throughout the month I will see you guys on the next episode and I'll try to put some poetry in this month as well I'll talk to you soon